for listening. What are you listening to? Well, that's a good question. You are listening to Architects of Entropy. What is that? Well, we are an actual play tabletop role-playing podcast. And yes, there are a lot of those out there, but we are trying to do something different. Uh, We're going to be playing a series of different role-playing games that will be set in original worlds that we will create together as a group and continue to build collaboratively as we play. And that also means that uh, we will change the story and background of the world as we go. Traditionally, as a DM, dungeon master, or game master, I would be responsible for everything that happens in the game other than the player's actions. Since we are going to be doing this as a collaborative world-building exercise, the players will also have a certain amount of control over the setting and the narrative as well as their characters' actions. Uh, So instead of just being players and a DM, we are also architects. As architects, we will continue to build, tweak, and alter the world around us as we go. And hopefully this will add an exciting new dimension to the worn path of the actual play RPG podcast. As we're just beginning, we'll be messing around with some house rules for playing with the narrative and continuing to world build as we play. So those of you familiar with the rules, you might scratch your heads a little, but we are trying something new here, so trust that we are doing this for a good reason. Uh, While creating the world we'd be playing in, each of us in turn created races, cities, land masses, powerful heroes and villains, and played through about 2,000 years of history. Uh, Wars, alliances, new threats, to give our world an interesting backstory that we can build on. Our first story will take place in the world we have built called Ayamara. In the last 800 years, dwarves emerged from the mountain. A mysterious fey avatar has arrived to tend to a nexus of magical energy in the northeast. Humans arrive from a faraway kingdom to form a vast city to the east of that. A massive barbarian horde has claimed lands to the west of the dwarves. Elves have made their way here in various camps to tend to the world, and the monstrous creations of dragons terrorize a few peaceful cities in the south. An expansive human empire is encroaching from the north, and that's not to mention weasel and mushroom people. We may have gone a little bit overboard with this one, but hey, it's high fantasy, so who cares? (laughs) And we will learn about this as we go on. So there's my opening ramble right there. We're through it. So I want to introduce myself. Uh, My name is Patrick, and I will be your Dungeon Master and Chief Architect for this initial game that will take place using the D&D 5th Edition rule set. And I will start by introducing the rest of our cast. I am Kevin. I am uh, one of the subordinate architects (laughs) Architects of Entropy. I uh, enjoy the tabletop role-playing games. I'm less familiar with... 5e. So if anybody's going to be asking questions about this ultra simple rule set, it's going to be me. <laughs> um, for this campaign, I'm going to be playing a character known as Zika Hardwater, who is an Esog, which is one of the previously mentioned weasel people. The uh, Esog started as a joke in my head, like, we can do anything. Why not make, we can make weasel people? And then pretty soon I had to make weasel people, and then I had to play a weasel person. So... <laughs> Zika Hardwater is one of those weasel people. There are three sub-races of weasel people. They're pretty much your standard anthropomorphic uh, weasel people. You know, like you know. <laughs> like you get. Um, no, your standard weasel people. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of range from small to medium in size, and Zika is kind of the original Esog style. She's shorter. She is three foot six, about 50 pounds. She is small. Zika is covered with strawberry blonde fur that is faintly lighter on her belly. She has several small earrings, several small earrings on each side, and likes to tuck a flower or sprig behind her ear, usually shellflower, fennel, or marigold. She usually smells of whatever herbs she has picked most recently. Her eyes are green, and in public, she wears a smile. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 
Thank you, Kevin. Hey, I am MJ. In my life, I am an actor, and I've been role-playing for quite a while. I tend to use the Pathfinder system, so I also will probably be asking (laughs) some questions and, you know, be a little bit confused here and there. I am playing a ranger human. My name is Kiernan Locke, and I am 5'10", slender, about 150 pounds, late teens. I have chestnut skin tone, dark gray eyes. I have long black hair that is often braided on each side with leather ties. I wear a silver ear cuff on my left ear. I wear fitted leather pants and that are burgundy and a light brown tunic and soft leather boots. Uh, my name's Rick. I've been playing Dungeons Dragons since first edition, so I've seen most <laughs> of these uh, iterations. I never really worried too much about the rules, so yeah. I may be asking questions too. <laughs> Even though I run this game, I don't really worry about the rules. So the, the thing is, none of us really know what we're doing. <laughs> that would be the entropy part. There we go. See, so yeah, so it still works. Shut um, up. Still works. <laughs> I, I play a dwarf, the name of Ordrum Flaskmaster. His nickname is Razor because uh, shortly into his adulthood, he uh, had a traumatic experience, lost his beard. And, uh, <laughs> and he's been searching long... for it ever since. <laughs> he has a long lock of white hair that he braids in the back, which ties his beads and such into that most dwarves would put in their beards. He is uh, a member of the Order of the Forge, which is a religious philosophy of the dwarves that seeks to find warriors and turn them into weapons against evil. He's an honorable man, and he's just ready to start out on his life of adventure. He's your typical stereotypical dwarf. Except... Except he doesn't have areas where he's not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Which is great. Okay, these are our characters that are going to be going on this journey. A little bit about uh, Amora. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's most recently, there have been a couple of wars. There was the uh, Isog Serpent Folk War that wrapped up about, what, like a year ago? About that. And I'll also throw in now that a lot of these events, because of the way we built the world, each of us came up with different stuff that happened. So that whole war was Kevin's invention. So Kevin, as architect, will be the arbiter of knowledge of that. Uh, Give us just like a brief overview of the war and how it went. So there's a a magical nexus north in the wilds of Glasswood, and there was a meteor strike that that created serpent folk out of this collision of a meteor with a nexus. From the serpent folk arose the Scarlet Warlord, and the Esog had long been the sworn protectors of this magical nexus. The Scarlet Warlord wanted to corrupt the magic nexus for evil as evil serpent folk warlords do. Yeah, like they do. And they, they could not let this stand, uh, the Esau, of course. So they went to war, and the first portion of the war went in favor of the Scarlet Warlord. The Esau were routed from their main city of Glasbale, and the Scarlet Warlord was free to tinker with the Magic Nexus. The Esau were pushed back and created a new city, which uh, started as a shanty town, turned into a true city of the hold, and regrouped, built up armies, and throughout the Scarlet Lord's attempt to corrupt the Nexus, he mutated the Serpent Folk, and about uh, maybe 10 or 20 years later, 
the with a few of their own armies as well as support from wood elves and drow as well as the return of their fey archmage deity the progenitor as well as the high elf ruler uh yeah the the, uh the high elf elder i guess you could call the high elf elder also came out and uh with the combined forces they successfully scattered the Serpent Folk, uh, the Scarlet Warlord, has been slain as far as everyone knows, and they are now in the process of sealing up the Magic Nexus to the best of their ability, at least as far as a people being able to access it. It certainly is still able to affect its environment. They are rebuilding their city of Glasvale and uh, generally uh, rejoicing at the successful campaign of their war that was about a year ago that that completed all right so yeah so the the uh, the isog and and their ilk are, are basically fey creatures so they're from a different place but are here now so yeah that was one of the most recent things and actually uh rick is the creator of the dwarves so there was recently a war that was between dwarves and their corrupted cousins the uh, duragar or uh, deep dwarves as sometimes they're called Give us a little bit on that. Well, uh, the, the Dwergar... I promise we'll start this. <laughs> <laughs> the Dwergar, which, which is Patrick's creation, came out of the uh, Underdark, and out of jealousy, they decided that they needed what they... Uh, well, they appear to be corrupted dwarves, so we're thinking they just wanted back what they originally had and gave up. You know, I'm telling this from the Dwarven perspective. Right, I, I right, don't right. understand Dwergar at all. They don't make any sense. And from the Dwergar, so the Dwergar perspective is mysterious. So they came back out of jealousy to reclaim the forge, their ancient home that belongs to the true dwarves. And the dwarves realized, hey, you know, just having this pretty good-sized fortress in the mountains isn't enough to defend us against outsiders, so we need to raise an army. And so they did. And they, they pushed back the Dwergar, and then they built this rather massive army under the command of the Great Smith, which is, well, the Great Smith, she's almost like a demigod. She rose up through the Order of the Forge and then took over and took control from the Forge Masters. And now she runs the whole thing. And no one's sure exactly how long she's going to live, but she's lived longer than she probably should have already. <laughs> <laughs> she directed the defense of the forge against the Dwergar, uh, raised these armies and further fortified the mountains against them. And much to the chagrin of some of her advisors, has agreed to a defense treaty with the orcs against the expanding threat of the Dragonborn. A mutual defense pact. Yeah. In the south, there's this whole thing with these dragons and they made all these other races. And, oh boy, we're going to get into that at some point too. But we've just dumped a whole lot of information on everyone. Uh, but this is stuff that's good to know as we start. We're uh, coming out of an era of continual conflict. But for the purposes of starting things, we are going to find ourselves in the, uh, the city of Malshar. And Malshar is the largest city in Ayamora. It is the most cosmopolitan. It has people of almost every quote-unquote civilized race existing there in some form or another. It was formed in around the year 200. We are in the year 801 now, and that is uh, 801 AE or after emergence. Our calendar starts with the dwarves emerging from underground. 
as the first race to claim this land. It was settled by explorers from the Far East from a place called the Sapphire Islands. Not much is really known about these folks other than they had a knowledge of trade routes all over the world. Ayamora is just one continent on an even larger world that has unknown other races and countries and civilizations. But for our purposes, Ayamora is our world. So having these trade routes, they were able to form a city that grew over time in wealth and power. And then around the year 700, the non-Sapphire Islander residents of the city decided that the city should be run in a more democratic way. The city was traditionally run by the trade master, who is a appointed figure of one of the Sapphire Islanders to run the city. So there's a council of elders that's been in operation for about 101 years, and they are kind of an ever-changing council of nine that run different aspects of the city, from defense to trade to public works to law. The harbor, there's a, you know, there's a massive harbor food the, uh, the city watch or in the, in the or espionage, things like that. They're all run by different council members. As things have progressed, another organization has become known in the city, an organization known as the Shadow Consortium. They are what we'd call the Thieves Guild, and they have existed outside of the law and have made it clear that they wish to be legitimized. And one of the big bones of contention is this struggle right now between them and the Council of Elders. So we will find ourselves in the city itself, uh, just outside of the city, actually. The city walls are made of uh, white stone. They are old, constantly being uh, reinforced and built taller. They are uh, about 50 feet in their shortest, and in some places up to like 70 to 80 feet tall, depending on the terrain. Outside of the west gate of the city, we see two figures. They have made their way far from the wilderness outside of the elven forest, and they are an Esog and a human. And they approach as a gate guard is checking people through. All right, who do we have here? Name yourselves. Hello, I'm Zika Hardwater. All right, yeah. Kiernan Locke. And what's your business in Malsha? I'm here to visit some friends of mine friends, eh? I don't know if they're still here, um, but last I knew, they were coming to spend some time here. I'm assuming they're other Esog? Of course. Yeah, probably gonna be wanting to go to, uh, Bail Malshar. That's their, uh, their little home there. It's getting kind of filled up, though. We've had a lot of refugees making their way in from the war. You, you one of those refugees by any chance? You'll be seeking asylum here in the city? No, I don't need protection. I'm I'm here to, on my walk. I'm wandering and uh, finding myself, I suppose. But don't worry, we don't take up much space. <laughs> all right, all right. I, uh, I don't see anything wrong with you. What about you? I am her traveling companion. All right. Your traveling companion got a name? Uh, yes, Kunin. Kunin. Where, where do you hail from? I'm from the forest, actually. From the forest? Mm-hmm. You're just from the forest? No particular town? No particular city? Oh, no, we're from the outskirts. My family were hunters. I see. What's your business here in the city? Uh, I'm coming with her. Are you to uh, an item of some sort? Oh, no. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's presumptuous. 
Well, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, we have a lot of people coming in here, we have a lot of refugees coming in, and the city's kind of filling up there. We haven't closed the gates yet, it's getting really close. The Watch wants us to keep an eye on any suspicious characters making their way into the gates. So, uh... I see. Well, is it unusual for people of different kinds to be traveling together? No. No, I mean, we see all kinds here. We don't make any judgments. We just, uh, we seem to make sure that you're not here on any business of a less than legitimate nature. Oh, no. All right. Give me a charisma. You can, yeah, give me a charisma roll and, uh, and see how this gentleman takes your, uh, oh, boy. <laughs> If you can sell me on some kind of skill, but um, either uh, deception or... Uh... No, I got a nine. Okay. All right. Never no. charm. Yeah. Yeah. Persuasion or deception, is that something you can... Uh, Not, yeah. great. Not really. Okay. What you got there, MJ? Uh, three. Three? Okay. <laughs> My usual. All right. You. You should probably head out to your people and... Uh, do you, uh, you come over here for a minute? Let me um, have a little chat with your friend. Fine. He pulls you aside. I'll be um, alright. You sure? I'll come find you. Alright. Right. No, not sure. So you're making your way into the gate? Yes. Okay. So you head in. Kiernan, uh, this gentleman takes you aside. He's about six foot tall. He's kind of a burly yet a little bit paunchy. And he just kind of like kind of looks you up and down. Have I done something wrong? No, I just don't know about you. You gotta look about you like you're up for trouble. Perhaps um, I could be persuaded to let you in with the right administrative fee. I see. Uh, I could offer you... I don't have much, but I can hunt for you. <laughs> hunt? We are the world's greatest marketplace here. I don't need to forage for my food. We have everything we need. We have halflings in there that can raise food on their own. Right. Now... Now, I, what you got? You got any coin on you? A bit, not much. How much is the administrative fee? I will let you in for two silver. I suppose I can handle that. Here you are, sir. All right. I uh, throw him over the silver. He just yes, I do. rolls it in his hand, gives it a look, puts it in his purse. I got my eye on you. Yes, sir. And you head in. Are you, how far are you, are you waiting uh, for uh, Kiernan, or are you just uh, making your way? Yeah, I'll wait. Okay. So, the first thing you notice as you as you walk in the West Gate, um, and as you can see it, I gave you a little map there, the West Gate is the highest point. There's two halves to the city. There's the lower half and the upper half. The upper half is the richer, upper-class area. It's where the council has their seats, and the Blue Keep, which is the original fortress of Malshar, which is a huge bluish stone castle with these high conical towers um, in the style of the Sapphire Islands of the, the kind of gem-like encrustations around, like spiraling up the sides. And then in the lower half is where the rest of the people live. Most of the laborers, the, uh, the poor, the disenfranchised, or they're huddled into neighborhoods that generally are either made up of their individual race or social strata. What you'll notice when you walk into the West Gate is there are, are just a ton of buildings, homes, shops, inns. For the outskirts of this district, there's a relatively large market made up of tents and stands. What you will notice right away 
Zika is there is a preponderance of serpent folk that are kind of huddling in groups here and there. They're just kind of standing around. You've probably never seen more than like one or two of them in your life, and now they're just, they're all over the place. I'm sure I've seen their heads on pikes. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them. And, and give me a, a just basic description of your average serpent folk. They're, uh, they're bipedal, anthropomorphic, two arms, two legs, elongated neck that goes into a serpent-like head. Tail, pretty standard anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic uh, snake guys, snake, snake fellows with, with human bodies, not yes. snake bodies. Yes, predominantly right. human yeah. bodies with serpentine features. You're out on your own now, so given that you have no idea what's going on here, after a minute you kind of orient yourself, and then this about the point where Kiernan comes back in. Uh, Kiernan, yes. you probably have never. I don't think you've ever set foot in a city. And the minute you get past these gates, it is insane it's claustrophobic there are just buildings like as far as the eye can see there's some of them as much as three stories tall which are just massive as far as you're concerned and then in the distance you see up about maybe 50 to 100 feet depending on where you're standing the city is bisected by a river that is a chasm that goes down depending on where you're up they're doing about another 50 feet to where the river settles and bisects the city to your north you're seeing towers, spires, incredible architecture. And on this side, you see just squalor. But the first thing you notice is you are just squeezed and claustrophobic. Uh, this is just a very, very strange, strange place to be. I would probably try to find some place to lean up against away from people to catch my breath. Okay, it's not easy to do, but as you go in, you Zika, you'll first thing you'll notice is that Kiernan just grabs a post and just looks just kind of lost. Serpent folk. What? Serpent folk. They're... I didn't expect there to be so many. Are you alright? Do the serpent folk seem to be looking at me? Yeah, give me a perception just for general look around to see uh, That's anything. 24. 24. Okay, so um, you're not the only Esog around. You see occasionally there are some, but it's not a ton here. They generally seem to be eyeballing them as they go. Most of the serpent folk you're seeing are either very young or very old. There's not a lot of young adults. Their skin is dry. Their scales are kind of flecked. And the young ones are small. They move very quickly. And like most snakes, their tongues will flip out pretty regularly. The young ones will kind of eye you quizzically. The older ones will generally, if they make eye contact with you, they quickly move their eyes away. And one or two eyeballs you like your potential lunch. Mm. And you are uh, you are small. Yes. <laughs> You're one of these smaller sized Esogs, so. If I you know catch that, that, I'll stare them down. You know that the bigger ones could probably swallow you whole if they really tried. <laughs> All right, so as uh, one serpent folk kind of eyeballs you give me a um, yeah give me a give me a give me a 14 okay so yeah you you just really give this guy the the hairy eyeball he is not backing down but then he moves his gaze to you and then what am I doing am I in your way yes it's a free city I can stand where I wish you can stand where you wish, but also I don't like you looking at my friend the way you are. Oh, I am so sorry. You see, someone who looked like you slaughtered my family, so I feel 
Conflicted. Let's just say the feeling is mutual. Uh, I see. And at this point, one of the city guards kind of, Is there a problem here? Are you starting something? And he looks over at the serpent person. I told you. You're thin ice with us right now. If you start any more fights, you're out. We'll kick you and all of your little shits out of the city. No. I'm sorry. I... No trouble, sir. And he cows like immediately to this guard. And the guard has his hand on his truncheon and just basically like, giving you like, just give me a reason look. And as he turns, you will notice bruises on the side of his head. Like he's been beaten. The serpent folk? The serpent folk, yeah. My apologies. We uh, mean you no harm. And he just, he just kind of slinks back into the crowd. Thank you. Razor, we're going to shift to you now. You have been traveling the long road from the forge. This has been your destination the whole time. Tell us why you're coming here. Well, it's my first assignment, fresh out of the forge, just with a freshly minted uh, holy symbol that I received. And I've, I've got my new cloak of authority on, and, and I'm ready to go. Unfortunately, I've been assigned to uh, a former uh, friend who <laughs> was the one that nicknamed me Razor. So I'm uh, off to Malshar to... Report to a bully. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you are led into the city. Your symbol of office, basically, they don't even stop you. But you do notice that, as often happens in mixed crowds especially, the sight of a clean-shaven male dwarf is not something people ever really see. There's always a few little whispers and, you know, stares, but they are otherwise respectful. Stiff upper lip. Um, so yeah, you make your way into the city, and as uh, I described to the rest of the group, the city is brimming with snake people. At least this part of the city, this gate area. You know about the war, what happened, and a lot of them were displaced when the, the armies of the Esog and the Elves took back Glassbale from them. So it's it's not all that surprising, but it's a little shocking. Um, you've probably never seen them, because you're dealing with your other situation on the other side. You make your way in. You know your assignment is to go to uh, the Malshar Forge, which is the Dwarven Temple. You are heading to the Temple District. If you see there on the map, it's it's about just about midway through the city. So you've been given directions on how to get there. It hasn't been expressly stated where you are going to be staying. You might assume that they'll put you up at the temple, but at the same time, considering your status, you could very well be let just to fend for yourself. So, but... Either way, you have to. Uh, Either you have way, to I'll report to my yeah. uh, superior and uh, await his orders. All right. As you kind of make your way through, um, you're heading just past the market. Um, and give me a perception roll. Sixteen. Okay, you're able to hear even above the din of all this kind of a scuffle. And as uh, you pass this one food stand, you see a group of people kind of forming around a smaller shape, and it's kind of hard to make out. I saw it! I saw it! He took it! He stole some apples! He probably shoved some of them in his face! I think they have pouches in their mouths! And uh, it's, a, it's a, just kind of a, a big group of people raising voices. There's about six commoners, and there's one like larger older gentleman who seems to be like kind of running the show and as you look uh you see him he's like kind of manhandling this old serpent folk okay um and the people they look like they're about getting ready to tear this guy apart 
I'll take my mace, <sighs> bang it on my shield, and say, Now, friends, what is going on here? Uh, and I want you two to both give me perception rolls. I got 18. Okay. Six. Six. Okay. So you hear this commotion and you hear this voice kind of rising above it. So you guys, actually everyone are going to roll me initiative. We are going into an encounter. So I had a whole thing planned of how we were going to, uh, do some, uh, architect actions as we were going on, but I forgot to bring the actual things I was going to use. So to on the fly, throw out a little bit of an idea of how we can tweak this as we go is I'm going to throw out a die on the table. This is going to be basically approximate a counter. It says it is cramped and it is loud. So I'll throw another one out there. And those are difficulties that might make this encounter a little bit tricky for you. So as we go, you can choose. Odds, evens. Yeah, so we're going to put odds will basically be the complications, and you can use an architect action to flip one of those over to an even to either counteract one of those or add something else to make it easier. So every time you flip one of those over to an even side, I can flip it back over to an odd side. That's another point to to give more complications. So basically, there's opportunities for you to edit the scene as we go using those. It's based on what we have at the start. So the first time we go through this is going to be really weird, but hopefully we're going to make this a fairly uh, usual thing. So as we go, um, I'm going to be kind of loose as uh, as far as how that's going to work. So Razor, what did you get? Seven. Kiernan. Seven. Zika. I rolled a seven, but I got a ten. Ten. (laughs) Okay. So because you are surprised, Kiernan, you are not going to go in this first turn, but we will roll you. You will be in uh, the second time around. All right, the first thing happens is that the old snake person is being grabbed by the larger gentleman, is uh, going to attempt to break free from his grasp. He is unable to, and he's still being held by this gentleman who's got a club that's about ready to beat him. Zika, you are next. A commotion. How exciting. I'll grab your wrist and pull you over there. (laughs) Okay. Uh, so you are alerted to this, however you cannot act. Is that, uh, are you doing anything else, or are you just... Uh, no, I'm just going over Just Okay, so basically you're moving into uh, to the area, and then uh, we go to Razor. So there's six regular folk, like, nothing special about them. They're basically just generic commoners, mostly human. And then there's one larger gentleman who's holding this is, snake person's about ready to... Is there start. a shopkeeper, or...? The shopkeeper is actually one of the commoners. Everyone else in the area seems to not be paying any attention to this right now, and you don't see any guards anywhere near here. Which is almost kind of why this is probably happening. So, uh, what do you do? Well, I'll wade right in through the commoners, right up to the guy holding the serpent, and say, Now, I don't think this is appropriate at all. Let go of him, or I will have to bring down the wrath of the Order upon you. Okay, so what I'm going to say is I'm going to need you to give me a intimidation. However, because it is cramped mm-hmm. and loud, mm-hmm. you're going to be a disadvantage. This is something you can do about that. Um, not really. Okay, so uh, so you're going to be rolling two and giving me the worst result. All right, 13. The big gentleman does not seem to be impressed. Let's see. Commoners on the other also yeah nobody really seems to even hear you you walk forward they, they kind of regard you but they don't really hear you 
Uh, and so at this point, the uh, the larger gentleman uh, will attempt to strike this uh, the snake person. So actually, he will have an advantage because he's got him held. So he hits him with his truncheon. It definitely clocks him up the side of the head, and, and he is not knocked out, but he looks really, really hurt. So the other commoners are going to interpose themselves between you and the guy beating up on the snake person. But they're not going to take any actions, but what they're going to do is they're basically going to give you disadvantage to attack him. And then that'll take us back up to the top. The snake person is going to attempt to bite the big guy. And he will pretty sure miss, yeah. And as you see the old snake person try to bite the guy, you will notice that there's kind of liquid dripping from his fangs, and that'll identify him to you as a Sleedon. Uh, Sleedon is the poisonous sub-race of, uh, of the serpent folk, so his bites are poisonous, though he doesn't really seem to be very good. His days of really biting people are, are long gone. That is his action, and then we will go to Zika. I think I would make maybe like a wisdom roll to see if I can get a, a gauge of if maybe they're kind of taking it a step too far. That'll be insight. That'll be insight? Okay. Yeah. So wisdom? Yeah, so yeah. If you like got <laughs> any proficiency, a, a it's going to be flat wisdom. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh, I rolled, I got a 19. 19, yeah. So considering it seems to be a dispute of whether or not an old man stole some apples, uh, this seems to be really out of order. And you're pretty sure, based on what you're rolling, that that guard doesn't care if he kills this old man. So I will use druid craft to try and get their attention. Okay. Um, which all I, all I will do is try to do a sensory effect to predict weather, but if it's if it's going to be... Uh, sunny, then like a golden orb will appear. If it's going to be cloudy, then a cloud will appear. If it's going to be snowy, there's going to be snowflakes, so that'll be interesting. <laughs> Probably not going to be snowy, All right. but... That is an interesting use of that. Okay. Um, Just kind of to uh, distract. All right. So, yeah. So, okay. So, you kind of... Are you, like, stepping forward yes, and making yeah, yourself... Okay. So, forward. you step forward and and do your druid weatherman thing, <laughs> and a glowing orb will appear, and uh, these dopey... And I, will, I, I will say, I did not come to Malshar to encounter mob justice. Is this how we treat thievery? All right. All right. Uh, yeah, so you notice the crowd of commoners, they kind of move back a little bit from your display of magic as they have no idea what's going on. So they leave. There's an opening now. You can get through them, but they're they're still there, but they're not. They're as of right now acting against you. I will step forward with my hand on my club. I will leave it on my belt, but I will step up to the rather large imposing human who is restraining the serpent folk and say, what is this man being accused of? Uh, so you step forward. Kiernan, uh, you are now aware of what's going on. Yeah. And see that this old snake guy is being bullied by a crowd. D- is what Zika's doing seem to be working? She definitely seemed to freak them out with whatever she did with magic. But um, they, they, the guy isn't stopping. The big, the big guy isn't stopping. I'll try to grapple him. I'm sure. And uh, yeah, and you will. You also notice as you're seeing this guy a little bit more yeah. is that he has the truncheon he's carrying yeah. has the symbol has a symbol on it that looks to be like the symbol of the city. 
So this guy either is a guard or was a guard. They seem he has the same kind of trenches that the guards outside the gate are using. Okay. Um, he's definitely older, so he might be like a retired guard or stole a truncheon from someone and inherited. So what are you going to try to grab him? I think so. Okay, so you're going to try and grapple this gentleman. So that is going to be athletics. 18. Okay, so you are able to get this guy grappled, and he is in turn grappling another guy. So what that will do is, as he now has the grappled condition on him, he will actually release the snake man because you are now grabbing him. And I'll say in his ear, calm yourself, man. Give me an intimidation. Six. Okay. He's not appear to calm. And we go to Razor. Is it possible for me to step in between the Serpent Folk and the mob? Yeah, now that the mob has kind of somewhat dispersed, right. you can interpose yourself. All right, I will do so. Basically, I'll just hold my action that anybody that approaches him. So you're going to ready an action to smack someone if they step to you? Let him go. I will pay for these apples. This is ridiculous. <laughs> All right. So next to go is the old guard guy. And he is going to attempt to bust out of your grapple. Okay. Is it harder while he's grappling the serpent folk? He's not grappling the serpent folk anymore. Oh, the serpent folk out. Yeah. Okay. He is not able to break your grapple as he rolled a three. But he's just yelling, it's, it's not the point. It's not the point that he stole apples. It's the point that he doesn't belong here. Let me go. Let me go. We all belong here. The other commoners just kind of watching the scene kind of dumbfounded. And let's see, see if any of these guys is particularly stupid. And as always, there's one idiot. As this happens, most of the commoners are doing nothing, but one of them kind of lurches forward to assist his friend. So you can take your ready to action against this guy. Um, I'm assuming what you're doing, hitting him with your... Uh... Uh, hitting him with a mace. All right, so he steps forward. Fool! So, uh, uh, that's a 20 to hit. Oh, yeah. As this guy steps forward, he just goes, This isn't right. You have them outnumbered. And Mace just cracks down upon the side of his head and he goes right out. I'm assuming you are not trying to kill this gentleman. No. All right. So he will. That's love. <laughs> so Razor just clocks this guy, cuffs him on the side of the head, and he goes, Just. You can hear the little birdies flying around his head as he hits the dirt. <laughs> and, uh, Any more fools? Let's see. Anybody else feeling... Basically, yeah. Basically, a natural 20 is what they're going to need to give you any more trouble. And the rest of them, they just kind of run off <laughs> in various directions. And they're, you know, so you're like, oh, I'm going to get the guard. But um, you're, you're pretty sure these, they're just going to run away and pretend this never happened. One of them picks up his friend and just drags him out, just kind of slapping him away. You're reasonably sure you didn't kill this guy, but if you wanted to, you would have just tased this guy's head right in. They disperse, and we will go back up to the top to the old snake man. He is confused, but he's taken the opportunity to exact his revenge on this guard, not reading the situation as well as he should. <laughs> he lashes out at the old guard and is actually able to connect with a bite. We'll do... Not a lot of damage, but he takes one point of damage and has to make a con save, which he fails. <laughs> so he bites the guard, and uh, the guard is, not only is he grappled, he is also poisoned. 
So, mechanically speaking, he has a disadvantage on any rolls or ability checks as long as he has poison. And, uh, Zika, we go to you. <laughs> I, I feel like I have to uh, attack the Serpent Falk. <laughs> I will not call upon the power of the Shillelagh. I will simply attack him with my club. Okay. And that would probably miss. Uh, would you roll? At least. His, his AC is low, but it's not that low. Uh, Kiernan. Can I determine if I know if this guy's poisoned? Actually, yeah, you can. That is a thing you can do with medicine. Ten? You are pretty sure he's probably poisoned because you did see the, the venom on this guy's teeth. Like, he really just kind of scratched him, barely broke the skin. Okay. But he just immediately is like, oh, just looks really, really messed up. I have an herbalism kit. Is there something I can do to slow this poison? You can start. Oh. Give me another medicine roll. It's just sucking out the poison. Yeah. <laughs> I got a 15. Okay, you start, and you know that, contrary to popular belief, sucking out the poison, all that does is just That's also poison you. Yeah. What you do is you pull out a, a little piece of cloth, and you, like, tourniquet his arm, and just kind of start, like, kind of massaging the arm to get some of the poison so out. So you are you are in the process of fixing it. Razor, back to you again. Yeah, the situation has gotten out of hand. <laughs> Why did you have to do that? That was... Oh, and backhand the old man. Backhand the, okay. All right, <laughs> give me uh, give me it to hit. Uh, 16. Okay. <laughs> Roll me damage. Five. Okay, he goes down. Again, uh, not the kid. Yeah, he, he hits the dirt at that point. Um, make a kind of morale roll for this guy. Oh, yeah, he's at disadvantage. Yeah, okay, so the old guy just kind of goes like, keep me from dying and we can call this a date. <laughs> Uh, Working on it. Yeah, so uh, the old Sleden is on the ground. The commoners have dispersed, and the guard lets you help him recover from his poison. So he will have that condition for a while longer, but okay. he will, he, the poison will kill him. I can uh, create can, antitoxin if, I mean, it's probably going to take me a little while. But. Yeah, you can question whether or not it's worth your resources. Because <laughs> you know this guy isn't going to die. He's not going to die, okay. He, he's probably not going to have any lasting <laughs> effects from the poisoning, but he's not going to die. I'll so. tell him that. <laughs> Calm him down. Uh, all <laughs> not right. going to die. All right, sorry about that. I'm gonna go. <laughs> you realize they all belong here, right? We all belong here. Yeah, right. What what you said. You uh, seem like an honorable man. Give me a charisma. Natural 20. All right. <laughs> Very good. I was a guard here for 20 years. I, I kept the city safe. I looked out for people. I... It's hard to see my city overrun. I guess I... Is he going to be okay? Points down at the sleeping. Yeah. He'll sleep it off. <sighs> he throws some copper to the to the, the shopkeeper. Here's for the apples and for the trouble. Um, this was... I'm not like this. This isn't me. I can tell. Thank you for saving me. And see that that old guy gets where he needs to go. Uh, my name is Crash. If, uh, I'm here in Westgate if you need anything. Thank you. It's understandable. The serpent folk used to just be our problem. But in routing them, we obviously sent them elsewhere. Yeah, I, uh... He's just really embarrassed. As he's talking, you can kind of smell alcohol in his breath. So he was also a little bit pooted up from the middle of the day. So a little bit of Irish courage, as they say. And, uh, uh happy St. Patrick's Day, by the way. Uh, <laughs> he just kind of, kind of slinks away and, like looking around to make sure there's no actual guards because they probably won't take him in but they will give him a hell of a lot of shit for being in this position he gets quiet uh, and uh, I'll, I'll heal the old man 
That's eight points. All right, I'll, yeah. I'll heal the uh, the human that you knocked down. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh no, oh, no they took they pulled oh, him off. He's fine. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, so you're able to uh, yeah to put some magical healing on the uh, on the old man. He kind of uh, rouses around and um, you didn't have to bite him. We had the situation. Well, they had the situation at hand. <laughs> yes, I just it's second nature. We my training kicked in. And he looks over, kind of like eyeballs you, and just any kind of looks at his at his feet. Times have been difficult in the past. You look too young to be a fighter in this war. Uh, so, we take my word. All is not as it seems. There is more than two sides to a war. Keep that in mind. I will. He pulls out a, a small purse. Uh, it's got five silver in it. He hands it off to you. I, I can't. Thank you. Um, and then a group of younger serpent folk kind of come up and they pull him in. They don't say anything to you, but they just kind of sink back into the crowd. And you are standing here alone and we'll pick up this meeting in our next episode. But uh, we hope uh, you enjoyed this. And uh, before I go, I just want to read off some names. This wouldn't have been possible without uh, the support of some very important friends who uh, helped us raise the funds to get this podcast off the ground. I would like to thank Jen Breeze Schultz, Jillian Christensen, Chris Manos, Chad Cunningham, Jeff Jones, Jeff Wright, Kim Wyman, Frank Ashcroft, Mark Smith, Judy Molner, Ryan McMahon, Fred Peterson, Claire Janasik, Ian Torrey, William Mellon, Elise Steiner, and Eric Snyder for your kind donations. Thank you so much. You will be the first to hear this uh, when it gets uh, edited and uh, completed. Um, and the rest of you, uh, we will see you in two weeks. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.